today on the Tearsheet Podcast. We've expanded that whole philosophy pretty significantly. And what we're doing is we are unbundling the core. So if you think about a core, when you buy a core system, and I don't care if it's from Jack Henry or anybody else in the industry, it is a thing, right? It's a great big thing with all kinds of different functionality in it. And um, so what we've done at Jack Henry now, we're thinking differently about, about what banks and credit unions are going to want to do in the future. And we have this vision of, you're not going to want to buy this big thing necessarily. You're going to want to buy components out of that big thing. But some of the things that you would have done historically in a core, you're probably going to want to do with a fintech in the future. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. As we continue to press on the technology throttle, core software providers like Jack Henry are changing too. The firm recently announced a new technology strategy that would unbundle its software, essentially taking its core system parts and making them discrete services that can be customized and rebundled alongside other fintech offerings. In my talk with CEO David Foss, he compared core software to a car chassis. Banks and other FIs have been used to buying the whole car. Now, Jack Henry wants to provide its clients with options to pick and choose the components they want in their own technology stack. It's a big move, one that will take years to unfold. But the train, or car I guess, has left the station. Jack Henry's CEO, David Foss, joins me on the podcast to talk about how he got to this point in history. David shares his own personal experience, beginning at his firm as a programmer decades ago. David sees a big opportunity for banks to leverage the renaissance of technology we're living through to best serve their customers. It's a broad conversation. I want to invite you to find a comfortable chair and clear off your schedule to listen and watch. Jack Henry CEO, David Foss, is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. My name is David Foss. I am board chair and CEO at Jack Henry & Associates. So essentially, I run our company, Jack Henry Associates. We are a 45-year-old technology company serving community regional banks and credit unions in the United States. And how long have you been in that role, David? So I've been in the CEO role now for coming up on six years. I added the chairman title last July. I've been at Jack Henry for about 22 years, uh, but been in the industry 36 years. So my entire uh, career uh, has been serving uh, community and regional financial institutions. I started out as a programmer and I've done pretty much anything you can do in this industry uh, and now ending up as a CEO. Amazing story. And so, so maybe we can use that as a, as, a, as a way to jump into the conversation. We don't need to go back, you know, 30 years, but maybe just the past as, as your role as CEO, like how the industry has changed. Yeah, so I, I talk about this a lot with people. You know, I've been doing this 36 years and I'm a technologist by mm -hmm. trade, right? That's how I started my my career. And so the technology side of this business has been really fascinating to me over the years. And what I've said to a lot of people here is recently is this period that we're in right now from a technology point of view is the most exciting period of my of my career. So, you know, when I first started, it was it was about automating the back room at banks and credit unions. So it was when core systems were first really becoming kind of a packaged thing. And then with the advent of the internet, of course, that was an exciting time because we were trying to figure out how to transition all this technology that was only used by bank employees or credit union employees to now uh, putting them online so that uh, consumers and uh, small business and business customers could access those things. And so that was, you know, that was an exciting time. But now today, this uh, this kind of revolution that's happening today with 
banks and credit unions trying to work with fintechs and figure out where is the fintech my friend and where is the fintech my foe and how do I connect up to them and create an experience for my users, whether it's a consumer or a, a business customer, create an experience that's really cool and really engaging. You know, that has created all these unique and interesting challenges now for technology companies like ours that have uh, really been fun to try and figure out how to address and how to help our customers uh, attract new customers and certainly remain relevant to the customers that they have. So as the industry has evolved to this, along this timeline, as you described, how has Jack Henry itself evolved? Yeah, so many adaptations for our company. Of course, the the, uh, the genesis of our company in 1976 was as a core provider. So we were writing uh, software, and this is long before I joined the company, but Jack Henry was a core provider writing software to, to do core processing only for banks. That was the beginning of our company. And then as the company evolved um, because of the technology needs, we got into the business of writing a number of different, what we refer to as complementary solutions or ancillary solutions. So Jack Henry, for example, wrote a teller system and wrote a check capture system and those types of things to help uh, address some of the technology needs that uh, banks, again, this is all focused on banks back in those days. And then in the early 2000s, two major changes happened for Jack Henry. Number one was we acquired a company called Scimitar. So now we're a major player on the credit union side of the business as well. And we really started to build out that credit union presence. The other thing that happened in the early 2000s was we created what is today known as Profit Stars. And the whole idea behind Profit Stars at Jack Henry was to get away from this dependence on core, this real strict dependence on core in the bank and credit union base, and create a whole line of products that were non-core that could really broaden our, our reach and broaden the opportunities for us to serve um, banks and credit unions with, with all kinds of different technologies. So during that period of the 2000, so 2000 to 2010, let's say, we did a number of acquisitions. We also innovated a number of solutions, all of them non-core, right? We were writing solutions and we were uh, acquiring solutions to create this broad suite of solutions. So today now we support uh, four different cores one on the credit union side, three on the banking side, but we support about 300 products. So this very broad suite of technology solutions, all targeted at banks and credit unions, all targeted at customers in the United States. So we are very US focused. Uh, and we touch today around 8,500 banks and credit unions in the United States use some technology uh, from Jack Henry. So our company has evolved significantly from where we started to today. And of course, through all that, the technology that we use and that we offer has uh, has evolved significantly as well. You know, just just one example of that. Back in the day when I was writing software, we were only writing for employees of the bank. It had to be functional, but it didn't have to be pretty, right? It just needed to work, but it didn't really need to be pretty. Today, because almost everything we do is also used by the consumer or the small business or the large business customer, it has to be it has to be functional, but it really has to be usable. We have to think about the customer experience, the user experience. Design is a big part of what we do today. You know, so all those concepts are are key to everything we deliver today. Whereas, you know, 35 years ago for me, it was just about making sure the numbers add up and making sure the the solutions uh, function. So it's a it's a really a different company today from where we were 45 years ago. That's such an interesting example to show to show that change. Um, I guess, can we use that as a jumping off point to talk about um, how your clients' lives have changed, how, how their businesses have changed over that time? 
Yeah. So, you know, originally, so if you think about community and regional banks, so much and credit unions, so much of what they did was around either geography or the field of membership. So if you think about a credit union, you know, it was a very tightly defined field of membership for a credit union. If you think about most uh, community and regional banks, it was some geography that they served, you know, whether it was a small community or, you know, a larger uh, statewide presence or across state lines. Um, and so those were kind of the two defining factors many years ago. Today, all those rules, all those sticks have been thrown in the air. And so uh, banks and credit unions now really thinking differently about who is the customer that I serve and how do I define that customer? And they have so many different options today um, to pursue as far as um, who they want their customer base to be. And then once you define, okay, who is my customer? What's the profile of the customer that I think I can serve really well? Now, what are the needs of that customer? You know, that's point number two. And what technology do I need to satisfy the needs of those customers that I've defined? And that's a whole different way to think as compared to, you know, 35, 40 years ago, where it was all about, you know, somebody else defined the rules for you. It was field of membership had been defined or the geography, you live where you live and I serve these customers that are around me and that's just the way it is. You know, all that stuff has now been thrown in the air and uh, banking executives can think so differently about finding customers, attracting customers, serving market niches that can be, you know, nationwide and in some cases global, um, even though they're based in a particular city or, uh, or location. So it's really an exciting time, I think, to be a banker, not only to be a technologist, but to be a banker, because you can think much more broadly than you uh, used to in the past. It definitely is an exciting time, um, but I guess it also is probably one full of uncertainty um, about who the winners will be as we, as we move through this time period. And we, we definitely talk on this podcast and on our, on our website about um, challenger banks, you know, digital only banks, but also embedded finance companies, you know, non-financial brands that are moving into the space. How do your clients think about um, their own businesses and differentiating, I guess, at, at their futures? Yeah, so I think there's a continuum there, right? So you have some that are very kind of traditional and conservative and maybe not so worried about some of the disruption. And then you have people at the other end of the spectrum that are very concerned about, uh, you know, potential disruption and what's our strategy going to be to make sure that we're uh, we're competitive and that we're addressing those, uh, those needs of, of potential customers or existing customers that we have. So there's a broad continuum today as I talk to CEOs, you know, I do a lot of work with with CEOs, executive teams, boards of directors for community and regional banks and for uh, credit unions, just thinking about uh, thinking about strategy. And so I've learned there is a real continuum of, uh, of thought around that topic, but many um, are either actively engaged or trying to think through strategy today of how do I work with fintechs? What is my, what is my role going to be to create a differentiated solution uh, when it comes to these potential disruptors uh, to my uh, to my business. So um, one of the topics I talk about a lot is when you think about your um, your bank or credit union, when and your relationship with fintechs, you have a couple of key options, a couple of key decisions to make. And I've phrased it: Do you want to be embedded or do you want to embed? Meaning, mm -hmm. do you want to be the bank rails underneath a fintech? And we've certainly heard a whole bunch of stories about banks that are doing that. You know, So there's the Silvergate stories and there's the Coastal and, and Lincoln Savings. And there's a bunch of players that are embedding their financial institution underneath a FinTech. And that certainly creates opportunities for that financial institution because the FinTech brings a whole bunch of customers in and the, the financial institution provides the, the processing rails underneath. 
the the so the pros in that are you you have a tremendous revenue opportunity and certainly a bottom line opportunity by doing that. The con is the customer who's doing business with that fintech probably doesn't know who you are underneath doing the processing. There is no relationship between the customer and the bank or credit union. The relationship is with the fintech. And so the thing I stress all the time is if that fintech decides to go somewhere else because they got a better offer from a different financial institution, then where is the FI? You know, where are you? Where is that opportunity for you? The, the so dumb the, pipes fear, right? Sorry? The dumb pipes fear, like the, the bank's exactly. fear of being just being dumb pipes. and Exactly. Yeah. So, but that is certainly one option mm-hmm. and it's viable. And you have a bunch of great examples out there of financial institutions doing that. Well, how about if you look at the other option? How about if you look at the idea of embedding fintechs in your platform, in your solution, so that you as a bank or credit union can provide that differentiation and your brand is what's meaningful to the consumer. So there isn't any risk of you know you being disintermediated because the, the processor underneath goes away because you are the processor. And how about if you um, provide those opportunities to embed these fintechs in your presentation layer and create a differentiated story for your uh, customers by leveraging relationships with uh, with fintechs to to do that, and so for me as somebody who you know eats, sleeps, breathes community and regional financial institutions, you know that's one thing that I've really been trying to encourage people to think about. And I'm not I'm not trying to pick winners and losers here, but I think so many are focused on this idea of uh, you know I got to go find a way to embed myself underneath a fintech because I'm reading all this stuff about that. Okay, you could do that, but there are only so many opportunities to do that. You know, how about if you look at it the other way, and this might be more work on the other side, but I think the payoff may also be greater because you create this reputation, this brand loyalty, and this name for yourself as a technology forward provider of solutions to your customers, and the customer relates to your brand and your your, your financial institution. And so what I'm encouraging people to do is Think about both options. These are not, and these aren't even mutually exclusive. You know, you right. may do both. You may embed under somebody else while you're creating this differentiated solution of embedding fintechs into your uh, into your platform. That that's fine. You know, they're not mutually exclusive. But I really am concerned these days about people who aren't giving enough attention to the other option when it comes to banking as a service. That's an excellent point to talk about the options, non mutually exclusive options. Does Jack Henry? Um, does Jack Henry want to play in the in in the infrastructure play at the, at the embedded side? We do. So one of the things um, we've been talking about here recently. So in, in uh, February, just uh, recently, I announced a pretty uh, significant technology strategy for our company. So as we've talked about already, you know, Jack Henry's been in this space for 45 years. We're a well-rounded financial technology company serving uh, community and regional financial institutions. uh, And we are passionate about uh, serving that customer base. And so as we've looked at all the disruption that's happening in the industry today, one of, and, and we've been working on this for years, by the way, so it's not we just didn't wake up in January and say, hey, we should do something. We've been working on this strategy for, uh, for several years. The thing we saw coming was these disruptive forces, things that are potentially disruptive to our customers, again, community and regional FIs. And so what can we do to help them really be proactive about creating a strategy for themselves and kind of anticipating where they're going to want to be five years from today or 10 years from today? And so what we started on about um, three years ago, well, the strategy really uh, uh, was defined about three years ago. We started with programmers writing code about two and a half years ago. We've created this new platform now where we're, we're redefining core. And in fact, I've said to a lot of people, five, 10 years from now, 
we probably won't even refer to the word core anymore because we're totally uh, redefining core. And so what we've done is we've created this platform. It's a, it's a cloud native public cloud platform. So that was step one, create this platform that we can build on. We built our digital banking solution on that platform. It's already in production. We have millions of users on the platform and hundreds of banks and credit unions on that platform. It is in production. Is that Bano? It's Bano. Yep, right. So that's yep. built on this platform. But we've expanded that whole philosophy pretty significantly. And what we're doing is we are unbundling the core. So if you think about a core, when you buy a core system, and I don't care if it's from Jack Henry or anybody else in the industry, it is a thing, right? It's a great big thing with all kinds of different functionality in it. And um, so what we've done at Jack Henry now, we're thinking differently about, about what banks and credit unions are going to want to do in the future. And we have this vision of you're not going to want to buy this big thing necessarily. You're going to want to buy components out of that big thing. But some of the things that you would have done historically in a core, you're probably going to want to do with a fintech in the future. And so what we're doing is we're unbundling all those components in the core. We're making them standalone features that sit on the public cloud on this platform that I referenced. And we're giving the banker creating the flexibility to couple our components with components that they might get from a fintech to create that differentiated experience, create that differentiated uh, story for their customer, either the customers they serve or some niche that they're trying to uh, trying to go after. So an analogy that I've used that seems to resonate with bankers, it, you know, because they'll kind of look at me and go, OK, I'm not exactly sure what this all means. So an analogy I've used is if you think about what we've done in the core business, and this is every core provider that's ever been, you know, so think back 40, 50 years, we've all been in the business of selling SUVs. Right? So we sell a big thing that is built for a purpose. SUVs are very multifunction and you can maybe buy a big SUV or a small SUV, but you know we're selling SUVs, all of us have been. And you can hitch a trailer to the back of your SUV. You can put a luggage carrier on top. You can tint the windows, you can paint the outside, but it's still an SUV. And that's what we've all been doing for years. Well, what if you need a pickup or a luxury car you know, there is no core, core provider who has ever sold pickups or luxury cars. We're all selling SUVs because they all kind of do the same thing. And so at Jack Henry, with this strategy, essentially what we've done is we've created this platform. So think about the frame for a vehicle and we have a pre-established wheelbase. So you've got a frame and a wheelbase. But now what engine do you want in your vehicle? Do you want a V8, a V6 or a plug-in hybrid? As in, do you want um, Azure? Do you want AWS or do you want a private cloud? And now what features do you want in your vehicle? Do you want to build out things that you end up with a luxury car? Do you want to end up with a pickup? Or do you want to end up with an SUV? If you want an SUV, that's fine. We're still going to have all those functions. You can create an SUV. But we're putting that power in the hands of the banker to decide what is the solution that I need to serve my customers most effectively. Um, and I'll you know, pick and choose what I need from Jack Henry. The other key component in all this is on that same platform that I referenced earlier, we've created this connectivity uh, solution, connectivity tool. And what we did was we took all the connections that we've had with these vendors that we've developed over the years, and we have about 850 of them, by the way, that we support today, 850 FinTechs. We took that connectivity layer that we've supported and we've rewritten it to sit on this uh, public cloud uh, platform. And so for the FinTech, if they've been doing business with Jack Henry, Historically, it's the same connection for them. So on their end, it feels the same. But for us now, it's sitting in this public cloud environment where we can easily connect to other, other solutions. And by the way, that's an API 
uh, API layer conforming to API standards and, and so on. So in the end, the, the Jack Henry customer gets the advantage of a single platform with all the security components that are inherent in a single platform delivery, the user uh, usability components, the design components, all that stuff that we, that we have in our digital banking solution, Bano, as you referenced earlier, and Bano, by the way, the number one rated app in the app store. So we have all that great stuff that we get with Bano. It's on that same platform that they'll now experience as they start to piece together these other pieces from Jack Henry into that, uh, that experience that they want for their users. And so we believe as customers look to the future, our customers look to the future and think about you know, what do we want to be delivering in the future? How are we going to differentiate in the future? We believe this creates the foundation for them to, uh, to do all of that. And of course, as I've stressed, this is a strategy. So this isn't all in production today. We're in the process of rewriting all these components and putting them on this public cloud platform. But it it's allows us to set the strategy and help customers understand and prospects understand where are we going and how can we help you get to where you want to go uh, if you're thinking about those same uh, those same issues. One other thing um, I'll emphasize, and I know you please. want to ask questions, Zach. Yeah, got a whole bunch. So any of your customers or any of your listeners who are current Jack Henry customers, the thing I stress all the time is we are not slowing down our investment on our existing cores. We are not slowing down our commitment to the existing cores because we know that a bunch of banks and credit unions, as they think five or 10 years in the future, they're going to say, you know, this core that we've got from Jack Henry is great. We just want to keep doing what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And Jack Henry allows us to connect fintechs into the core that we already have. We just want to keep doing that. We recognize a lot of customers are going to want to do that. That's totally fine. And we are absolutely committed to continuing to service those the way that we have historically. But we do see this segment of the market that is really trying to figure out this differentiation strategy. And so for us, you know, it's imperative that we uh, serve those customers and position them for the future. I could see why your customers would would find that an important question to ask. Um, sure. One, I, I guess I had a technical question. Um, you talked about the benefit to uh, your clients um, as part of the strategy. Is there a benefit to the fintech too? When you talk about designing that layer, is there is, is there going to be a single implementation onto the platform that they can then roll out to multiple banks? Or how, how are you thinking about that? Yeah, it depends. So the answer is yes, but it depends on the fintech, right? Depends. On, I can't predict how they deliver their solution or you know what their what their design strategies are, design design philosophies are. But if they're delivering essentially mm -hmm. an out of the box solution, then the answer to your question is yes, because it's a single single integration onto that platform, and uh, and then we provide the connectivity. Assuming the bank credit union wants to be connected to that fintech. <clears throat> we provide the connectivity after that. But, you know, we do recognize that a number of these uh, fintechs are trying to deliver, you know, I'll, I'll refer to it a highly customized uh, mm -hmm. version of whatever they're doing. They view that as their differentiator. So that's why I say I can't predict what they're going to do. But for our purposes, if they're essentially delivering an outside the box solution, it is a single connection to that platform. Yes. Got it. Um David, I have a question. How how are some of how are your clients or prospects responding to this this announcement about a change in strategy? Yeah, it's been interesting. So um, we've had a number of prospects over the past several months that we took under the covers. So we just announced this in February, but we took a number of prospects under the covers in the in the uh, months leading up to this because they were. Uh, you know, looking at a core change and they would ask questions about you know, what's the future and are you guys planning to move to public cloud, you know, those types of things. 
And so uh, we took them under the covers. I think uh, I think every one of them that, that we took under the covers has signed with Jack Henry as a uh, as a core provider. And and many of them have said, you know, we're so relieved to hear that you all have this long term strategy uh, that'll help us get to the future. We don't have to execute it now. You know, we can kind of take it on our own pace. But the fact that you guys are thinking so uh, forward about how to deliver technology on the public cloud, and one of the things that they really love, so we've had many who have commented, you know, we know there are people in the industry that are doing a lift and shift, meaning take your old stuff and, you know, make it work in the public cloud. There are CIOs at these, particularly regional financial institutions, they are very, very in tune with what's happening. And, and so the response is, we're so happy that Jack Henry isn't doing that because that's, you know, that's kind of just making it work. The other thing that's uh, intriguing, I think, to many of them is this idea of unbundling the core. They hadn't heard that before from any of the providers in the space. Um, they were still thinking in you know, terms of core as a monolithic thing. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that if you want that core bundle from Jack Henry, you can certainly do that in the strategy. But if you don't, even if you just want to leave one piece out, let's say that you know, wires, let's say that you found a wire solution over here and you don't want to take the wire solution that's part of the Jack Henry bundle, you have that flexibility to, uh, to do that. And so it's those types of, um, of feedback uh, bits that I think have been uh, particularly significant in these conversations. And then the other is, you know, our um, banks and credit unions in the U.S. have seen, you know, our major competitors make this, these major shifts toward payments, becoming payments companies. Mm -hmm. And I think they're so, uh, you know, prospects are so happy with the fact that Jack Henry is remaining focused on serving them. We certainly have a payments business at Jack Henry, but I always stress we're a well-rounded financial technology company. We do a lot in payments, but we are not a payments company. We are here to serve, you know, the complete suite of needs that a uh, banker credit union has. And I think customers like and respect that, um, uh, regarding this this strategy. And then, of course, the other thing, and, and I'm sure you know this, Zach, and Jack Henry is well known in our space for providing a premier service. And there are a lot of people who report on it, including us. We report our own customer SAT ratings, but there are other people who do surveys independent of Jack Henry, and they reported annually that Jack Henry by far has the highest customer SAT ratings. And so prospects like that, we get to go to this company that's really thinking forward, but also we get this outstanding level of service that uh, tends to be the, the type of feedback that I get from prospects who are signing the check every. And by the way, we're signing one new core customer a week. That's the wow. rate that we're on here. We've been on for quite some time. So that's leaving a competitor, moving to Jack Henry, one new core customer a week. And you said you've been on that pace for a while? Yeah, so we so pre-pandemic, we were on that pace for almost uh, about two and a half years. Mm -hmm. The pandemic, you know, kind of threw all the everything in the air and everything kind of slowed down. But now for about nine months or so, we've been back on that pace again of signing one new core customer a week. And it's lumpy, you know, so there are some weeks where you sign three and then you have some weeks where you sign zero. But if you kind of even it out, uh, that's the pace that we're on. David, does the pricing model change when you're not delivering the whole SUV and you're, you're delivering components? It does, yeah. So you know, that's one of the areas of flexibility that a customer will will have with this solution is they'll be able to decide, you know, pick and choose which pieces do they want and then put them together in their own bundle. And so certainly you have to price by the component as opposed to today, you know, you buy a this the monolithic core and so there's a price that you pay for that, but the new pricing will be 
buy components. Um, but the concepts behind pricing will be the same. So if you think mm -hmm. about the way that we charge for things today, it's either per transaction, per customer, or per account. And so all those rules apply, even if you're breaking out the components uh, uh, as compared to what we do today. I know you didn't use the word marketplace when you were talking about the fintech integrations. That's my term, but um, I guess I, I, I want to know, I'm going back to the question I asked before about the integrations. Um, is there intention, whether now or in the future, to to broaden that and, and monetize maybe some of the some of the integrations from the fintechs? So the, the idea is not to try and charge for every okay. single time that a transaction flows back mm -hmm. and forth between a fintech. That's not philosophically who we are. It's what we do. I have certainly been, that's been pointed out to me many, many, many times. Mm -hmm. Oh, you guys can make a whole bunch of money if you yeah. charge every single, that's not our philosophy. It's not the way we do business. We will charge certainly for that, for that connection mm -hmm. uh, from a customer, but it is not our intent to charge for every single transaction that flows, flows across that, um, platform to and from a fintech and you know that's the way we've we've always done business we don't that we've had hundreds of integrations to fintechs we charge a, a relatively nominal fee for the connection but we don't charge for the traffic that goes between and we don't intend to do that going forward either okay um i'm curious how uh this strategy shift um is changing jack henry internally uh, you talked about sort of the the technological lift of being able to modularize. I don't know if that's a word. The different <laughs> components, but yeah, um, does this change the nature of Jack Henry and, and the skill sets and the types of people that you have on staff? Yeah, I mean, and really, what it does is it creates opportunity. So if if you're somebody who is comfortable uh, in the technology world that we live in, that we have been living in. You know, I emphasize all day long, we are going to be living in that world for a long time. We're going to be supporting core customers and our other products in that environment for a long time. You know, great, happy to have you. And we need to consider to continue to deliver that great service and that great technology. But if you're somebody who's looking to move into a new technology environment as a developer or, you know, whatever, um, those opportunities are there at Jack Henry as well. And again, this isn't something we just started. We've been working on the platform development for two and a half years. We've been working on the Bano digital banking development for seven years. And these are all, you know, this is all an evolution. It's consistent uh, knowledge and experience and, and, uh, and know-how that goes into delivering this new technology that we've been building now for several years at, uh, at Jack Henry. So we've already had people in our company who have moved from some of our traditional product groups into these new product groups because we've been, you know, up upstaffing to create the development environments and to uh, to deliver what we've done already. And so that'll just be a continued evolution for our company as as we add people, you know, as people retire, is it likely that we're going to go and find somebody that's going to do exactly the same thing that the person who retired? Maybe not. You know, we're going to have people that have a maybe a broader skill set and can cover two bases or something like that. So it certainly is an evolution. But it's all about creating opportunities for uh, people who come to work at Jack Henry uh, as well. And it's a pretty exciting time if you're an employee at our company. So, David, you, you were very clear about being in payments without being a payments company. That was yeah. you emphasized that. Um, I'm just curious about the, the chassis. Is there an intention, um, whether internally or through acquisition? So your question cut out on me, Zach. Can I ask you to ask that again? Yeah, sure. So I was using the um, the analogy that you're using of the SUV. Um, extend the wheelbase and include and be more inclusive, maybe with acquisitions over time. 
Yeah, so we we are his, we've been historically known as an acquisitive company. So if you look at our mm-hmm. company since uh, 2004, I think we've done 32 acquisitions, and so that will continue. Um, and those acquisitions will certainly, uh, you know, every acquisition we look at going forward will be with this idea that it's got to fit in this platform and fit in this uh, fit in this strategy. So that certainly is part of the strategy. The challenge in the past couple of years, when it's you know, you're in your company like us, a large public company, who every acquisition we do, we have to share you know all the financial details with everybody. Um, trying to get acquisitions done in the past couple of years has been pretty challenging because IPOs have been hot, SPACs have been hot. You know, every fintech out there who wants to sell their company, they were looking at IPO and SPAC because they figured they could become bazillionaires within a week. You know, and so you know, selling to a a, a strategic like Jack Henry wasn't at the top of a lot of a lot of folks lists here but those things have really died off you know IPOs really not happening in our space at all anymore SPACs are definitely not happening in our space um, private equity we've always competed against private equity when it comes to us acquiring companies private equity is still active but I think we're on a much I think 2022 will provide that opportunity for us to be on a much more kind of level playing field when it comes to uh, completing acquisitions at a reasonable valuation. Again, that's a key for us as a public company. We have to share all the all the details with our investors. And so we got to do things that are reasonable for uh, for our company. And so I believe we'll have the chance to do more acquisitions in 2022. And as we look at those, though, back to your point, they will definitely be with an eye of how does this fit into the strategy? How does this fit in this platform? And you know, what's the What's the uh, one plus one equals three story for our our customers and prospects if we complete this acquisition? And is there an intention over time to expand internationally? You were very clear about being U.S. focused. Yeah, so it's a good question. We we used to have an international division. We sold that about probably six years ago now or five years ago, something like that. So we know how to do business internationally. We used to serve most of the major banks in the world, actually. Uh, we had a lot of office in London. We were a significant player in South America. Uh, we sold that division um, a few years ago. And so, and so we know how to do business internationally. The thing for us is, you know, serving customers in the domestic U.S., we see a ton of opportunity for our company so that we don't have that need to go international. We see a lot of opportunity to continue to gain share in the U.S. We see so much demand for the solutions that we offer in the U.S. We are growing at a nice pace uh, top line today. But every January, I host a strategy session with the board. And every January, I ask, okay, you know, is now the time? Do you feel this need for us to create an international strategy? And uh, every year we pretty much come out with the same answer. We kind of explore it and then we come out with the same answer. And that is, if we see an opportunity, if there's some opportunistic thing that comes up, we're not opposed to international expansion, but we don't see it as a strategic imperative. We don't need to go international. Uh, We have a lot of opportunity to continue doing what we're doing uh, in the U.S. I'm curious. So so you mentioned, you know, the strategy is you made the announcement this February. Um, some of it's already in place, some of it's in, in the works. It's definitely something you've been working for a while. Can you look out into the future and talk about sort of how you're gonna phase in um, the strategy? Yeah, sure. So um, what we're doing is, the, so like I said before, the digital banking solution is there today and the platform is there and the connections are there for the fintechs. And so now what we're doing is we're breaking out all these components from core and they will slowly but surely be phased in and they'll start operating on this on this uh, public cloud 
platform. And of course, these are cloud native then. These solutions are built as cloud native components. And so we're in beta today with the first uh, module. It's Wires, by the way. So Wires was the first module that we kind of carved out. Uh, new account opening will be next, and that'll be this summer. And so, you know, we'll just kind of continue to work our way through those core functions and move them over to the uh, to this public cloud environment. And then banks and credit unions can start to consume start to consume them at their own pace. And so let's say, and in fact, we've already had this happen. We have a, a somebody who's not running a Jack Henry core who has talked to us about consuming one or two of those. They know what the roadmap, uh, you know, the near-term roadmap is, and they are interested in starting to consume some of those things. And their thinking is, you know, we can start to consume this stuff and then we don't have to go through a big conversion. We can go through a smaller conversion if we're starting to do these things with uh, with Jack Henry. And so those conversations are ongoing, not only with our existing customers, but with prospects, the idea of, of consuming those things one at a time as they come live on the uh, on the uh, on the platform. I believe, by the way, the first real implementation and I and this is just me speculating but I I think this is reasonable the first real implementation of this strategy for a full bank uh, will be with a side core right mm -hmm. so you'll have a bank who says I got my brick and mortar and I'm doing all these things over here but I want to create a side core a digital only uh, digital only bank and I believe that'll be the first implementation of kind of a complete bank offering um, that you'll see using this platform and part of the reason I believe that is, We've done some of these things already with, with a number of banks to create side core deliverables. And some of that is based on this technology. It's not literally running on this platform. It's not truly this platform, but it's all the advanced work that we were doing. We've leveraged all this, all these concepts with some of these banks. So as an example, you may have heard of uh, Incredible Bank or you may have heard of Rising Bank, uh, both digital only brands, um, you know, very, uh, innovative in their approach to uh, to uh, touching new markets and and attracting new customers, attracting new deposits. That was that's been a combination of uh, mostly Jack Henry technology, but then they have fintechs that they've embedded into those solutions. And I think those are good examples of what you'll see uh, customers do with Jack Henry. But it'll be on this platform as opposed to kind of on the platform and kind of not which is what we've done with uh, a number of these other banks like uh, Incredible Bank and Rising Bank. I know we just have a few minutes left, but I'm curious, um, you mentioned the side core strategy. Um, how powerful a strategy do you see that being going forward for banks that are, are thinking about moving into the future, not just as a, as a way to get digital, but as, as actually a, a thriving standalone brand? So I think the real, so if you think about where Incredible Bank started, right? So Incredible Bank, what, what they identified with Incredible Bank was a really tight niche. It was, we're gonna go after those people who buy the really high-end RVs, or the bus the bus RVs. That I believe that's a pretty narrow niche. And yet that was the strategy. We found this, we, we have a skill set within the bank. We know how to serve these customers. We see a demand out there for this really skinny niche. We're gonna go and try and attract those customers. And it turned into this huge strategy for the bank. So much so that they just recently renamed the Rick brick and mortar bank uh, to be incredible bank because mm -hmm. it transformed the way they do banking. Okay, that's a really niche, very creative strategy. We see that happening with other institutions. They're finding these niches where they have some expertise within the bank or credit union, some skill. Let's go create a, a story online to attract those customers. I don't see that slowing down at all. In fact, I see that picking up now that people are seeing some of these success stories and finding opportunities. So I believe that you're going to see that continue for a long time to come. 
because uh, people will recognize some unique ability, some unique skill that they have, some something to attract and serve uh, serve customers. And then you add into that, you know, all this discussion that's going on about uh, underserved. You know, wh where's the opportunity to serve the underserved community, and how and the underserved community don't. Uh, trust banks sometimes. And so is there an opportunity to uh, attract those customers and provide a service, a real service, but through a digital channel? You know, a lot of banks are trying to explore how to do that. And uh, whether they're CDFIs or MDIs or whatever, they're trying to, you know, figure out what, is there an opportunity there? How would we do that? And much of that is going to be done, I believe, as a digital only brand um, uh, to, att uh, to attract those uh, customers. So I think there's lots of opportunity as we look to the future. I see that as well, particularly with the examples that you bought with the differentiated product. Um, I think it's maybe harder to do uh, if it's a plain vanilla product that doesn't that lacks a lot of differentiation, but totally right. agree. Um, we have time for one last question, and I'm curious about still early enough in 2022, I can ask you this, but the biggest challenges and opportunities looking forward. Yeah, so opportunities, I think, um, you know, there are a lot of banks and credit unions that are coming you know, the pandemic isn't over, of course, but they feel like they're coming out of the pandemic and have learned a lot through the pandemic about how to serve customers without the customer walking into the into the branch. And so there's a lot of thought going on about how can I use technology to become more efficient, differentiate my service offering and you know, all those kind of things. So I think there is just a, a lot of opportunity around that around that topic. And then, the you know, the challenge, I think, for any of us in the business of serving uh, customers, whether you are running a financial institution or you're running a technology company that serves financial institutions, you know, the cyber environment that we all live in is only getting harder and harder every day. And with the geopolitical stuff that's going on right now, you know, there's a lot of a uh, lot of attention that all of us are paying to that topic. And so I think, you know, the, the constant vigilance around that is going to be it's going to be more top of mind for everybody uh, for the next few months than it has ever been. And it's always been top of mind for me anyway. Um, but, you know, it's just something that uh, that isn't slowing down. And so I think there's certainly uh, challenges, but man, there's a lot of opportunity if you're uh, if you're running a, a community financial institution. You know, the one thing I say all the time, we at Jack Henry absolutely believe that community financial institutions are the lifeblood of Main Street America. We this this world is not a better place if we don't have community financial institutions. And so it is incumbent upon us to figure out how to provide technology, how to do everything we can to be good partners, to help them ensure their success, because we think that makes us a stronger and a better country. And, uh, and it's an obligation that we take very seriously, but we love, we love being in this business. I'll just tell you that. Wow, I feel inspired. David, thank you so much for joining us the Tearsheet Podcast today. You bet, thank you, Zach.